Well, if you're glad to be here this morning, say amen. 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 Good to see all of you. Let's all stand. We want to open in prayer. And all, she's here again this morning. Sister Carolyn made it back to church. Amen. I'm glad to see Sister Carolyn. Amen. I'm going to ask Brother Joe Haynes, if he will, to open us in a word of prayer. This old song, I don't think I got it up yet, but what a day that will be. And I looked upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more Sickness, no pain, no more parting over there, and forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be, and what a Oh, 
Let's all stand again, page 277.
good to see everybody. We appreciate all of you being here, especially our visitors. Thank you all for coming to Merville Baptist. Let me make some announcements. We've got a lot going on. You realize that tomorrow is the last day of October. We enter into the month of November on Tuesday. And uh, November, December, January, always busy months with uh, all the holidays, the three holidays coming up. And, uh, but we've got a lot going on, so listen closely. Uh, today will be the young ladies' meeting at 3 o'clock in our fellowship hall. All you young ladies remember that. Uh, the next generation will have a trip to Hell's Gate on November the 4th. There's the uh, officer's banquet on November the 5th at 445. You'll be there at the Smith House at 445. Let me go endeavor to go into that just a little bit. That's for all the officers of our church. Just as a small token of appreciation, we... Uh, the church feeds you and uh, feeds you a good meal. It in no way uh, is a payback or anything like that. It's just a token of appreciation for all your labors throughout the year. We would like for all people of Merville to, to meet us over there. The only catch that if you are not an officer, you got to pay for your own. Unless you can talk Terry Ransom into paying for it. Or Joe Haynes. Joe Haynes might. So, you know, talk to either one of them. But, no, meet us over there at 445. It would be a good time of fellowship. I know it's the big Georgia-Tennessee game. Amen, Nathan. But, uh, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll keep up with the score while we're eating. Amen. Uh, so that's on November the 5th, this coming Saturday. Uh, the ladies are doing a shopping and lunch trip with a devotion on November the 12th. Uh, men's skeet shooting trip is planned also for November the 12th. And then the Happy Pilgrims are having a, a pancake breakfast. And uh, we love to eat, eat, and eat, and then eat some more. So anyway, all of this is recorded for you in the bulletin. Be sure to get you a bulletin. Keep up with these things. Also, Sister Teresa needs to meet with all the ladies right after morning service, or she told me it's going to be a very short meeting, so that'll be right after the service.
feel the blood. Amen. What can wash away my sins? Nothing, nothing, nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. Thankful for his shed blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, the book says. And so thankful that Jesus Christ. Hey, brother preacher, how you doing? Good to have you with us this morning. Um, Do you know why you never invite twin witches to a party? Because you won't know which witch is which. Anyway, Genesis 28 this morning, Genesis chapter 28, when you find that passage of scripture, if you'll stand, we've got a lot of scripture to read this morning, and while you're finding that and standing, let me do say this, I forgot to mention our food basket drive uh, for Thanksgiving this year, we're going to be giving out food baskets to the needful, and uh, if you want to be a part of it, help us collect these items The items are listed for you on our bulletin also, and uh, we also, it's time for us to start asking for the perishable items, which is a bag of potatoes, and uh, if you want to buy a turkey or a ham to go in that food basket, uh, you can bring it, and we'll, we'll keep it in the freezer until we do give them away, but that's all part, and, and let me say this, we... We gave some people some letters uh, for donations uh, to carry to different businesses. If you visited one of those businesses and have got any kind of promise for anything like that, please let me know after service, and then we'll, we'll get in touch with that business and see about getting the uh, acquired items. Genesis chapter number 28 this morning. Uh, for some while now, the Lord has been dealing with my heart about this this subject, this topic that we're going to be discussing and preaching about this morning. I want you to look with me in Genesis chapter number 28, and uh, we'll begin in verse 1, read a few verses there, then we're going to go over into chapter 29, and then pick up the narrative over there. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 28, Genesis, it says like this, And Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram to the house of Bethuel, thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. And God Almighty bless thee and make thee fruitful and multiply thee that thou mayest be a multitude of people and give thee the blessing of Abraham to thee and to thy seed with thee that thou mayest inherit the land whereof thou art a stranger which God gave unto Abraham. And Isaac sent away Jacob. Chapter 29 Verse number one, then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. He, just to give you a breakdown in the next few verses, he notices a well of water with a stone rolled to the mouth of the well. Many shepherds are bringing their herds of cattle and sheep around that well. They're gathering together for the rolling away of the stone so that they can Uh, water their sheep, and we're going to pick up in verse number 9. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. 
It came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban's his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. What a kiss. What a kiss. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. It came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob and his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to this house. And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said to him, surely that my bone and my flesh, and he bowed with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldest thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? Now notice what he asked for, for, for payback. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel. And said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel. And they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had to her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening that he took Leah, his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went un unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his maid for an handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. He was expecting Rachel, but he gave her Leah. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said unto Laban, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for thy service, which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so. Fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Billa, his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in unto her, unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. Fourteen years he served to get the woman that his heart desired. That's how much love. That, that Jacob had for Rachel. I want to take all of these scriptures and this thought this morning on a growing marriage. And I pray that God would use this in all of our lives this morning, whether you're married or not. It's, it's, a, great, it's a great thought, a great, great text this morning of how, how Jacob so loved Rachel. That he was willing to serve 14 years of hard labor just to take the hand of Rachel in marriage. 
Let's go to the Lord in prayer, then we'll begin our thoughts for the morning. Our Heavenly Father, this morning, we love you. We thank you for loving us the way you do. Lord, it's been a good week in my life uh, this past week, and I thank you and praise you for it. Thank you for every, everything that you supplied for me, all the food, the clothing. Thank you, Lord, for a good week, and I appreciate it, Lord, from the hands of my God. And Father, as we gather ourselves around the good word of God this morning, I pray that you would bless this time together. And Lord, that you would speak to every heart that's here. And we're thankful for what you'll do. May the will of Christ be done at Merville Baptist Church as it is in heaven. And we'll thank you and praise you for all that you'll accomplish. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I received this week uh, an, a little magazine, and I was reading through some of it, and I came across one article that it had in there, and it was about civilizations and great civilizations. And it told some of the history of different civilizations, but it made this statement. It said, according to the past history of civilizations, every great civilization that decayed has first manifest its decline in the life of the family. In other words, what they were saying that every great civilization, every nation that existed that was great in its own rights, it, if it ever declined, if it ever decayed, it manifested that decay first through the, through the, uh, through the family. And you've got to admit that there is an all-out attack today upon the family structure in America. Everything that is going on in America seems like an attempt to, to fight and to destroy what we know as the family entity. Uh, when America was formed, there was two things that the founding fathers of America believed in. They believed in, number one, they believed in the family prayer. They believed that the family would gather around uh, at some given time, whether it be a home or where, they would gather around as a family and pray together. Another principle that they built our nation upon was the family pew. Every time that they would found a new city or a new community, they would build a church right in the middle of that community and they would ring the bell and call parishioners to come forward as families and sit upon pews as a family. They believed in family prayer and they believed in the family pew. And those two things are still so vitally important to our nation and the structure and blessings of this nation Whenever we see an attack upon the family, we know that we are near decay as a nation. And we need God more than we've ever needed Him in these last days in which we're living. We need God to move in hearts of, of dads, moms, husbands, wives. We need God to move in all of our hearts to rebuild and, and to keep strong in the, in the environment of our families. I'm so thankful for the family that God has given me. I thank God for my wife. 
And I will be celebrating 47 years this coming uh, February. And I meet with people uh, occasionally and they'll say, and the subject of marriage will come up and I'll tell them that we're celebrating that many years. And, and they'll, the question will always come up and it'll be asked like this. Well, what do you attribute your longevity for your marriage? And I had one lady one day, I was actually at a, at a card counter at, at Kroger picking out a, an anniversary card for my wife. And uh, I was standing there and a lady was right close to me. We got struck up a conversation and the subject of us being married as long as we were came about. And she said, well, how, how do you, why do you attribute the fact that y'all been, she said, I know you're just a good man. She said, you know, there's not many of them anymore. And I thought all the women would shout right there. Uh, but she said, you know, there's just not many good men anymore. And, uh, and she went on to say, she said, a lot of men don't even know what they are today. And, and we had an interesting, colorful uh, conversation while we were standing there. But every time somebody asks me that question, I'll answer it positively and firmly with this answer, Jesus Christ. That's what I attribute our longevity as a family to, our long time married. You say, Brother John, do y'all ever have troubles? Occasionally, we don't fight or anything like that. Uh, I've tried it with her and she's got the better hand, amen. And uh, Sister Sue asked me the other day, said, Brother John, what happened to you? Your nose, your lip, your hands is all... Looked like you've been in a, a war and, a, and a, me and Miss, no, we didn't. We don't never fight. And we enjoy, I want to say this, I always say this, that I enjoy being saved. And I do, I enjoy being a child of God. I love knowing that my sins are gone and that one day as we sing about it through all the songs, I'm headed to a land where there's no more sorrow, no more tears, no more crying. And thank God we're headed to a place of God Almighty. Can I get a witness right there? But I want to say this. I love being married. I love the woman that God gave me. And I appreciate the, the things that God has done in both of our hearts to, uh, to join us together the way that he has. The story that we've had before us read this morning Jacob is on his journey to go find a wife. Let me say this, that that is a very important decision in life. You don't just pick them out like you would picking out apples in the store, bananas, ripe and unripe. You don't, you don't look for a wife or a husband in that manner. Being married is a very, very important decision in life. Most people today, they'll stand at an altar. They'll say that, do you marry them for better and for worse? And they get married for better or for worse, but not for long. <clears throat> it seems to be that there's, if any problem comes up in a marriage, they think, well, we'll just, we'll just call it quits and we'll go on about our way and, and we'll, do, we'll try something else. That should not be the attitude in a marriage. A marriage is a contract between one man, one woman, 
and they get married forever. Can I get a witness right there? And by the way, uh, Jacob had two wives to begin with. And just because you read in the Old Testament about a man having many wives does not mean that God sanctioned anything like that. And I am so glad he didn't. Amen and amen. I'm glad it's one man, one woman forever. And that is the definition defined for us by the one who created the marriage, God Almighty. One man, one woman forever. That's the, that's the structure of a home. Why did he put it? Why did he make it that way? I can just imagine God uh, making Adam that day, breathed into the nostrils of Adam, and, and he became a living soul. And then he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good that man be alone. I'm going to make him a helpmate for him. You know what you read in the context of that? Then you read immediately after he said, I'm going to make a helpmate for him. He brought all the animals to to Adam to see what he would call him. And it says this, and for Adam there was not found and help meet for him. So he puts Adam to sleep and he takes out a rib out of the side of Adam. I personally, this is just my thoughts about it. I believe that that rib was connected to the nerve endings of our ears. And we lost, us men lost a good portion of our hearing that day. I believe that explains to every woman why men have a trouble hearing what our wives say. But I can just imagine God creating woman. I mean, a woman is totally opposite, and thank God she is. A woman is totally different, and thank God she is. A woman thinks different, and thank God she does. A woman is different than a man is. This generation doesn't know that. But a woman thinks and looks and acts different than a man. I can see God creating Eve out of that rib. And he calls all the angels together and he says, y'all gather around. I've made Adam and then now I've made a woman for him. She's totally different from him, totally opposite from him. This is going to be good. Y'all need to watch this. God takes two totally opposite individuals. And puts them together and sanctions and blesses a marriage. It's a wonderful thing that God did when he made man and woman and put the two together. It's a blessing from God. It's not a curse. It's not something that we should take lightly. It is something that we need to consider And something we need to meditate upon and and ask ourselves, how is our marriage doing? How's your marriage doing? How's, How's things between you and your bride? Are they okay? Well, I want to say some things this morning on six principles that I want to give you. And I may have to spend two or three Sunday mornings on this topic. But I want to give you six principles in life that I've discovered for growing your marriage, growing that your love for each other might grow throughout the years and that you might see a marriage at the end of your, end of your days together, something that you can enjoy, something that you just love about your life is the marriage that God has given you. Number one, I want to say this. Listen to me closely. 
If your love for your spouse, whether you be male or female in this room, if your love for your spouse is ever going to grow, you must stay in love with Jesus Christ. Stay in love with Jesus Christ. I want to say this, that you don't even know what real love is until you're saved. I'm not talking about Hollywood love. I'm not talking about Hallmark movie love. I'm not talking about what we see portrayed from the world. I'm talking about real, genuine love, and that love is only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. I used to say this, and I I was ridiculed for it. I I was made fun of for saying this. After I got saved, I began learning about God loving me and me loving God and and, uh, what what that meant to my life. And I used to make a statement like this. I never really loved my wife until I got saved. And people would make fun of me about that. But can I say this? The Bible tells us that God is love. You will not, you will not find real love until you find it in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you, when you find that love That love is a love that will never, never change. It will never, it will never fade away in your life. When you have found the love of Jesus Christ, that love grows and becomes richer and greater and mightier. It is a love that I believe every person needs to experience in life. You'll never know what real love is until you are saved. Through the love of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that we love him because he first loved us. When I was unlovable, when I was living in sin and did not care a thing for God, God commended his love toward me. You know what that word commendeth means? It means, it, it means this, to step up to and introduce itself. God started introducing himself to me and showed me just how much he loved me. You say, how much did he love us? How much did he love us all? He loved us so much that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the son of God to die for you. He died for your sins. He died because of your sins. He died on Calvary. He was was buried but thank God he got up the third day and Jesus is alive he's alive he's alive I want to say this you'll never know love till you know and experience the love of God in your life you never will and you'll never be able to stay in love with Jesus Christ until you realize he first loved you How do you, how do you, here was Jacob. He agreed for Rachel's hand in marriage and and promised, I'll serve you seven years if you'll let me marry your younger daughter. They agreed to it. The contract was set and he did exactly that. And then he was beguiled and tricked and given Leah instead. And you know what, you know what Jacob said? He didn't get mad and storm off. He loved 
he loved Rachel so much that he was willing to stay with the man who tricked him, the man who, who lied to him, the man who deceived him. He was willing to stay with that man and work seven more years. Why? Because he loved that woman. He loved that woman more than anything else. You'll never, you'll never love your wife like you should unless you stay in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. When I, back in 2008, I had a heart attack and I went in and they began doing all the tests and I didn't realize I was having a heart attack at the time. I wasn't hurting in my chest, I was hurting in my jaws. And I never knew that jaw pain was associated with a heart attack. I, I didn't know what was going on. Wound up at the emergency room and they told me I'd had a heart attack. And then they did all kind of tests and they told me this. They said, you've got an enlarged heart. I've always tried to tell y'all I've got a big heart. They said, you've got a large heart. You've got an enlarged heart. You've got large veins. And now today, because of some of the medicines that, that I'm on, my veins are drying up. I don't hardly have any, any, you don't even notice veins. They have a, Melinda's the only one can hit my veins when an IV is put in. I'm on, if I ever go back in the hospital, I'm going to call you to come out of retirement. Amen. But they said, you've got an enlarged heart. And I found out some things about the heart. The normal size is about the size of a fist. And there's some people that have an enlarged heart. But then there's some people that have a little tiny small heart. I'm going to ask you something with that illustration in mind. How big is your heart for Jesus? How big is your heart for Jesus? Oh, I want to say this. You'll never love your wife like you should. Until you love Jesus Christ the way you should. You've got to stay in love with Jesus Christ for your marriage to ever, ever, ever work. The foundation of a home, the foundation of true love is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, salvation is a personal relationship. It's not a thing of do's and don'ts. It's a personal relationship. That's why so many people are deceived today. They think that religion can save them. They think that they can just go to church and be a good church member. I heard a preacher at, at the camp meeting just a while back talk about his grandmother. And he said his grandmother in her, in her latter years tried to, tried to get right with God. And all she did was go to church and try to acclimate herself into the, into the church environment. She never got saved, never got born again, no change in life or anything like that. She just tried to acclimate herself into the church life. That is not salvation. You don't go to church and become a Christian by going to church. You become a Christian through a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's the only way. Salvation is a personal relationship. A marriage is a personal relationship. And it's not just in the sexual tones. It's a relationship with a, a human being that God has given you for, for better, for worse, and forever. And it's a relationship that must be developed. And one way, one way that you're going to your marriage is going to grow is through a staying in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then I want to say this. 
Stay committed, and, and I may just wind up right here today. Stay committed to having a great marriage. Did you know I've done some counseling through the 35 years that I've pastored? I've counseled a few times. And I found out that there's some marriages that's just, they exist together. They don't really, their relationship is not much. It's just a, they live in the same house. They may not do the same things together. But they just merely exist together. We should desire to have a great marriage in life. And it is possible for every home to have a great marriage. Don't settle for just second best. Stay committed to having a great marriage. You, all, all you men in here, let me illustrate it like this. All you men in here, you work or you had a profession in life. Some of you are retired now, but you had a profession. And I know, I know men, I know manhood. And men has got it built into us that whatever we do, we want to strive to be the very best at what we do. If we're going to do this, we want to be the best. We want to excel in it. And that's the way men are. If you're going to be a husband, be the best husband that you can be. Be the very best for your wife. Don't settle for being second best. Don't settle for being just mediocre. Pro I mean, prove it to yourself. Prove it to your wife. Prove it to God Almighty that God does work in a marriage. He does work. Be the best. If you're a wife, be the best wife that you could possibly be. I get up of a morning and sometimes I, I go through the house, I'll ask Debbie, I'll say, what can I do for you today to make your, your day a little bit easier? I'll then go into my mom's room and I'll say, you'd think I'd be smarter than this, but I'd go in my mom's room. I say, mom, what can I do for you to make your day a little bit easier today. And two women in a house, they've always got a list. I mean, you men, that's why men don't ever ask questions like that. But that should be our desire is to be the very best that we can be, the best husband, the best wife that we possibly could be to make our marriage great. And by the way, it takes two. Let me say it again. It takes three. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. It takes you. It takes your spouse. And it takes God Almighty. You know what I found out about being married? Marriage is a, it's a union between two forgivers. Learning to forgive. Learning to let it just forgive and keep loving. You know, if I asked Debbie, if, if there was anything wrong with me, you know, to, to name it to me. Hey, I was counseling a couple one time, and this is the God honest truth. I gave both of them a yellow pad, 
I said, I want you to write down on these, this pad. I gave one to the husband, one to the wife. I said, I want both of you to write down what is wrong with your spouse. The guy took the pad and wrote just a little bit and handed it back to him. The woman wrote, flipped the page over, kept writing. I thought, my God, why did you marry him? If he's got that much wrong with him, why did you marry But I found out a truth. You can always find, if you're looking for it, you can always find something wrong with anybody. We live in a fallen world. We all got issues. Can I get a witness right there? There's no such thing as a perfect husband, a perfect wife. If you're looking for that, if that's what you're after in life, you're not going to be married to them. They don't exist. We come, some of us come close, but they do not exist. You know I'm, you know I'm throwing that in as jest. There's, there's just, that's just impossible to find. I promise you this, if you hang around me five minutes, you can find something wrong with me. I give you less than that. Three minutes, two minutes, one minute, half a minute. You can find something wrong with somebody if you want to. But what about what's right with them? I think next time I do any counseling, I'm going to give them a yellow pad and I'm going to have them to write down everything that's right with their spouse. You see, the Bible says, talks about the words that come out of our mouth. And you can have a critical tongue or you can have a complimentary tongue. And ladies, I want to tell you something. If you find how to, how to use your tongue with compliments, it will make that man want to do better and better and better. Deb and I were sitting one day. We were having... Uh, a meal together. I'm going to see. I, I wrote it down. Um, because I didn't want to forget it. Um, she. We were sitting there. Talking with each other. Having. Having. Lunch together. Supper. I don't remember what it was. But in essence. What she told me. Now this is just. She and I just talking. And I'm just. I'm using this as an illustration. She said, John, the longer I'm married to you, the more precious I find you to be in my life. And the more I'm so thankful that I'm married to you. Now, is that so hard? Is that so hard to do? Instead of always nitpicking and finding fault and, and pointing out the mistakes, pointing out the wrongs, why don't we point out the good things? Point out the things. And men, the same thing with your wife. If you belittle her, if you put down on her, if you talk down to your wife, you're harming yourself. You're harming yourself. The Bible says in Ephesians 5 that no man hateth his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it. You don't, you don't just on purpose hurt yourself. But when you hurt your wife, when you hurt your husband, you're doing harm to yourself. You know why? Because you are both one. 
If you, if you hurt your wife, it's going to come home to you. If you hurt your husband, it's going to come home. And guess what? You have to go to bed together every night. And it's better, it's better to find out the good in your spouse than it is to always be looking for what's wrong. What's wrong? Focusing on your husband. Focusing on what's wrong with your husband does not help. It hinders the relationship. Focusing on what's wrong with your wife does not help. It hinders your relationship. I'm talking about how do, how do you grow a marriage? How do you grow in love for each other? I can honestly say this, and I, this is not just behind the pulpit preacher talk. I love Debbie more than I did the day that I fell in love with her. And by the way, it was, for me, was love at first sight. For her, it took one or two years, maybe more than that. She may, she's still trying to learn. <laughs> no, I better not go there. I felt the day that I, I saw her, I told my mama, I said, I'm going to marry her. I fell in love with her. Love at first sight is a reality in life. And that's what happened to Jacob and Rachel. He fell in love with her the moment his eyes fell on that woman. And his love kept growing and growing. Fourteen years, he worked hard labor just to obtain the hand of Rachel in marriage. Fourteen years. Willing to work for her. <laughs> That's a four-lettered word today, isn't it? Work. He's willing to work for her. I, I made the mistake, and, and it was a, a mistake. I've got an Amazon account. And I've taught my wife how to use it. My account. I've got a wish list. And I don't mind buying tools for me. You know, a good old Dewalt uh, saw, good old hammer. I don't mind buying tools for me. But I open up that wish list, and there they are. Pumps. What, what do you women call them? The shoes. <laughs> shoes. Yeah. With an S on the end. Shoes, dresses, jackets, and they're all in the plural. And so what I'll do is I'll just go through there and I'll buy them for I love providing for my wife. That's the woman that God gave me. I love seeing her happy. I love seeing her life just full of the goodness of God. And I realize it's not me that's doing it. It's God providing for me. It's God providing for us that I'm able to do things like that. And I just, some men absolutely squeal when their wife, they have to spend money on the wife. <laughs> squeal like a little girl. <laughs> I know, I don't, I don't want to do that. But you should, men, you should honestly love providing for your wife. And you'd be surprised what God would do in your, in your pocketbook. 
when you develop that kind of attitude. Learning to give, and isn't that what God did for us all? He gave himself for us. And that's what God in this two, I said marriage is a a relationship between two forgivers. Marriage is a relationship between two givers. There's some commands in the Bible that God tells a husband and tells a wife what we need to do to make our marriage better. The, The word used for men is husband's love your wife. Husband's love. We must have a problem with that. That's why my first point was stay in love with Jesus Christ. You'll never know how to love until you love Him. And our, our word for making a marriage great is love. The word for women is, to some women, it's an ugly word, but it's a Bible word, is submit. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Submit to Him. And that is the two key words that God gives to every husband, every wife, are those words And it's both of them are giving words. Words that we give ourselves to each other. Debbie loves it. Sister Megan, you come on to the altar. There's there's so much more and we'll spend more time in it as we go on. Debbie loves it when I study the home. You know why? Because I'm consciously thinking about it. I'm consciously putting things that I learn and things that I've I've known for years. I'm consciously putting it into practice and making sure that they're enacted it out of my life. You know why? Because I want to be a great husband. I want to be her man. And I believe this with all of my heart, and I know it to be true. She wants to be a great wife, and she is. And I can say that unashamedly. I can say that boldly. And I stand in public and say that, that Debbie Dale is a great wife to me. How's your relationship between your husband and your wife? It's easy. Let me say it like this. It's easy for me to love her when she's everything she ought to be. It's easy for her to submit to me when I'm everything I ought to be. But that's fairy tale stuff. I'm not always what I ought to be. She's not always what. That's when true love grows. Is when they're not what they should be. When you're not what you should be. That's when love grows in a marriage. How's your marriage doing? How's your heart for Jesus? Is it getting bigger and bigger and bigger? You know what Jesus said one day? There was a lawyer come up to him. The lawyers always had pointed and loaded questions for Jesus. The lawyer came up to me one day and said, uh, Master, what's the first and greatest command in all of the Word of God? He said, the 
first and greatest command is this, that thou love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, all thy heart, and all thy mind. That's all he asked for, but Jesus did not stop there. And he went on and he said, and the second is like unto it. Jesus connected the first and greatest with the second command to where they're inseparable. The first one, love the Lord thy God with all thy soul, all thy heart, and all thy mind. And the second is like unto it. Love thy neighbor as thyself. That includes your spouse. You'll never love her like you should. You'll never love him like you should until your love for God Almighty is where it should be.